I hope your week's been better than mine. My week started off by taking my dog to the vet. Okay? Oh, very sad. Don't R. Okay? Don't R. They said to me, I think he's got a urine infection. Can you catch a sample in this bottle? <laughs> okay, can you imagine me running around the garden trying to get a, a sample in the bottle for Alfie? Which a great success, I have to say. I'm obviously a champion pea catcher. That's what I am. Anyway, that, I hope your week was better than mine. But um, yeah, there you go. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Matt, first of all, for kicking off our mini-series over the last couple of weeks. Um, if you haven't noticed, we've been looking at life transformation. So firstly, he looked at anger to... <laughs> this is going really well. Peace peace and then chaos to calm last week we had a look at how our chaos um, God can take it and transform it into calm and tonight we're going to have a little think about turning our despair into joy okay despair into joy and the story that has been playing on my heart and mind all week as I've been thinking about this has been the story of Lazarus okay that we looked at this morning with the children as well and if you want to have a follow along, I'm not going to read it all through, but you'll see that I'm literally going to tell the story as we go through tonight. So Lazarus is in John chapter 11, if you want to follow along this evening. One of the really beautiful things about the story of Lazarus, and we've been chatting about this a little bit as staff this week, is that you see the human character and nature of Jesus in this story. And uh, obviously, we know that Jesus is God, but sometimes we forget the human nature that he has too. And I really love this story of, Nate, um, of Lazarus, because we just see what a good friend he was, what Jesus meant to Lazarus as we look through this story. And I had to Google, um, many people would know far more than me, but I Googled, what did people do for fun in Jesus' day? I had a wonder, you know, what did they do to, to entertain themselves in Jesus' day? And it said they went out for meals, and they drank, and they danced together. And I thought, it's not that dissimilar, really, to us today. Um, and I was thinking, wouldn't it lovely? I, I hope that Jesus did those things and enjoyed to do those things with Lazarus, ate together and had meal and sat down and had time together. Maybe they danced together. Who knows? But they were good friends. So the story begins um, right at the start of the story. We have Jesus and he's teaching, ministering to a load of people that have come and gathered around him. And there's this messenger that turns up. He has this message that arrives. And this message says to Jesus, come quickly to the home of Lazarus. Come, because Lazarus is very, very sick. And we know that you can make him well. So um, if you don't come, he'll surely die. That's the kind of message that came to Jesus. So this messenger comes, come to Lazarus' home. Now, Lazarus, he lived in the town of Bethany, and he lived there with his sisters, as I said before, Mary and Martha. And you remember that Jesus had visited the home of Mary and Martha before. As we said, Mary was the one who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to Jesus, and Martha was the one who went around busy, getting the house ready, tidying the house. And we can all relate to one or the other, I think, um, of the type of people that we are. She went round, busying around, tidying up, cleaning, preparing the meal, complaining about her sister's laziness. And of course, we know that Jesus said that actually Mary had done the thing that was better by spending time sitting 
at the feet of Jesus. So Jesus receives this message that's come directly from the two sisters, the, brother, the sister of, of Lazarus, their brother, saying that their brother is ill and they know that Jesus can help him. So imagine them sending out this message. And Jesus immediately tells his disciples and those around him, this is what he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, we might think, humanly speaking, that the correct response would be for Jesus to leave where he is and go immediately to his friend Lazarus. You know, I'm sure if you were off somewhere and you were on your holiday and you had a message that a loved one was seriously ill, you'd come home, you'd come back as quickly as you could to be with that loved one. You think he'd go straight away, but he doesn't. Jesus doesn't go straight away. Jesus delays his departure by two days, even though he knows Lazarus is seriously ill. Can you imagine, for a moment, the other side of the story? Mary and Martha, they sent out this messenger to go and find Jesus, and they're so hopeful because they know that Jesus loves Lazarus deeply. He'll come straight away. He'll be there immediately. They're just waiting for Jesus to show up. They're waiting for him to come. They're waiting for the messenger to come back and say, he's on his way. Don't worry. He's coming as quickly as he can. They're waiting for him to come. I wonder if we ever wait for Jesus to show up. I wonder if we ever feel like we've sent out a message to Jesus, to God, a prayer. And we're waiting for God to show up. But Jesus didn't come. He didn't come. I wonder what they'd been saying to people. He's definitely going to come. He's definitely going to come. We're confident of this. He's going to come. But he didn't come. In fact, Lazarus got sicker and sicker. And in fact, he died. So was Jesus wrong when he said to his disciples, Lazarus will not die. It will not end in death. Even worse, there was no sign of Jesus. There was no sign that Jesus was on his way. No one came to them and said, we've seen him, he's coming, he's on his way. There was no sign of Jesus. The man who they called their closest friend, the man who they deeply loved, who said that they, he loved them deeply. They had confidence in him that he could turn the whole situation around and he didn't show up. Not only did Jesus miss the opportunity to heal their brother, he didn't even go to the funeral. He wasn't even there to say goodbye. He missed it. In their minds, he was too late. It was too late. Jesus had failed. Jesus had let them down when he need, they needed him the most. I wonder if that sounds familiar to any of us this evening, that sometimes we feel that God has let us down. There was something that he let us down when we needed him the most. If he really loved Lazarus, why did he not go and heal him immediately? You know, I think Mary and Martha were looking at the small picture. They were looking at the small picture, but Jesus was looking at the big picture. God looks at the big picture. They were looking at what was temporary. God looks at what's eternal. God looks at the eternal. They were looking at the physical. Jesus was looking at the supernatural. 
They were looking at what they could see. God was looking at what he sees. They wanted a healing. They were desperate for a healing. Jesus wanted a resurrection. Jesus wanted a resurrection. And in the same way, when trouble or tragedy or hardship or even death come in, comes into our lives, we might ask God, if, if you really loved me, why did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. You know, God's delays aren't necessarily his denials. He's not necessarily holding something back from us. A no today might be a yes tomorrow. God's timing is perfect. And sometimes the reason God doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we want him to is because he has something bigger in store for us than we could ever imagine, ask, or think. He has something even bigger than we could ever have dreamed. Ephesians 3 reminds us that God is able to accomplish so much more than we might ask or think. And that's why it's important for us when we pray to pray, Father God, it's your will. Your will be done, not my will. Not what I'm looking for, but what you want, God, for my life. So let's go back to the story. So Jesus has received this message from Mary and Martha. The one whom you love is ill. The one whom you love is ill. That's the message that came to Jesus. And we know Jesus loved Lazarus. We know he deeply loved him because in John 11, it says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And the word for love there is agape, that deep, unconditional love that Jesus felt for these three, for this family. He, they were his beloved friends. And the disciples, they were afraid of returning to Bethany because the last time they were there, they wanted to, the Jews, they wanted to stone Jesus. But Jesus tells them, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. But they misunderstand him. And he says to them clearly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. At first, the disciples are thinking, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up and he'll be better. You know, we all say it, don't we, when someone's ill. We say, go and sleep it off, you know. The sleeping is healing. You'll feel much better in the morning. And they were thinking, you know, if he's asleep, he'll wake up and he'll be, he'll be fine. But Jesus clarifies it and makes it really simple for them. He says, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe. I'm glad I wasn't there. And when they eventually arrive in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. For four days. Before they enter the town, here comes Martha running out. Okay, Lazarus' sister, she runs out to meet Jesus. And she's a little bit of a, you know, you can imagine Martha. She's a busy one, maybe a little bit gobby. Okay, she talks a lot. She speaks her mind. And she says, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. In other words, God, you let us down. Jesus, you let me down. Where were you? I was telling everyone that you would come through for us and you've let us down. And maybe you've said something like that to God yourself. 
Maybe you've cried out to God yourself, Lord, where were you when my marriage broke up? God, where were you when my parents got divorced? God, where were you? Where were you when someone I really loved passed away? Where were you, God? And Martha was very outspoken. She was always the one to speak her mind and just tell it as it is. But notice Jesus wasn't angry with her. He wasn't really cross with her. He didn't lose his patience. Actually, he was really understanding and he was really patient with her. And like Martha, I think it's okay for us to be honest before God. It's okay for us to be honest before God. It isn't a bad thing for us to tell him how we feel. For example, it's okay to say, God, I really don't like it how it is right now. It's really tough at the moment, and I don't understand things, and I can't see things clearly, and I'm having a really tough time, and I don't understand, God, what you're doing, but I'm crying out to you because you're the only one that I know who to cry out to, and that's okay. That's okay. God hears us. That's okay. And Jesus then reassures Martha by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He puts an eternal view on this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? And she simply says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And as Jesus enters the village, he's then met by Mary. He's met by Mary and all of those who have been mourning and come to comfort her. And when Jesus sees their grief, when he sees their pain, he is overwhelmed. He is overwhelmed with grief and and feels their pain and he's deeply moved. And then after asking where Lazarus' body is buried, the shortest verse in the Bible, we know it. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And tonight, that's a great reminder to us all that when we weep, Jesus weeps with us. He knows our pain. He knows it when we're in a time of pain. That may surprise some of us this evening. Sometimes we think, God, are you really bothered? Are you a bit disconnected from how I'm feeling? But he really cares, and he knows our pain. But Jesus was, and he is God. Jesus was God walking among us as man. So if we want to know what God is like, then we look at Jesus. God feels our pain. Jesus felt their pain. God feels our pain too. We only have to look at the life of Jesus. When we're in pain, he feels it. And Jesus, um, according to Isaiah 53, was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. That's what it says. He feels our pain. Jesus took our sin, but he also carries our sorrows. So if it hurts you, it hurts him too. If it causes you pain, Jesus cares. Jesus wept. That says so much about the way 
God feels about each one of us. Jesus then asks to go to the tomb. He says to them, take me to the tomb. Take me to where Lazarus is and get asked for the stone to be rolled away from the tomb. And I love this little interjection by Martha here. I love it because Martha simply says, but it's going to smell, okay? If we open up the tomb, it's going to be smelly. That's what she says. Imagine a body being there in that heat. We went to someone last night for dinner. I'm not going to say any names. And they told us a story. And um, (laughs) they told us a story about how they went away on holiday and um, someone was looking after their house very kindly, looking after dogs and cats. And the cat brought in a rabbit, okay? And the person looking after the house didn't want to say, um, didn't want to go looking around the house, mooching around, was worried that there might be something in the house, but didn't want to go mooching. And when this family returned, they discovered a dead rabbit had been in their bedroom for two weeks. And there was a real smell. Millers, you need to get better house sitters. Okay, so... <laughs> They, uh, they, you know, like that smell. You know the smell. You know if you've got a dead mouse in your house. Have you ever had that? Where there's a smell and you just go round and you can't find it. Eh? And it's just somewhere and you look for it and you hunt it down and you can't find it. Imagine the smell. Imagine that smell of a body in the heat in the tomb for four days. She was right. It's going to smell. It's going to whiff when we open it up. But Jesus is quick to remind her again. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? You would see the glory of God. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus. Come out. What a moment. Just absorb that for a moment. Okay? The one whom they had loved had died, had been in that tomb for four days. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. It's an unbelievable thing that happened. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a moment. What a moment that was. Despair to joy. Can you imagine the joy that must have gone on. I bet that they ate and they drank and they danced that night when Lazarus, you know, came back to life. What an amazing story. I don't know if you read the story in the news this week. Terrible story, really. I shouldn't really have a smirk on my face. Do you read that story about that very poor lady? Where was she in Ecuador this week? Who everyone was gathered around at her wake, all of her family and friends, and then she was breathing in the coffin. Did you see that? And they suddenly realized that she wasn't dead at all. She was alive. And she'd been placed in the coffin. That's just terrible. But that wasn't like this, okay? This was a dead man who had come back to life. He died and he was back to life. Wow, I sometimes stop and think, God said you will do more than this. Jesus, you know, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. 
We have the power to do more. Wow, what a thought. Anyway, um, Jesus had died and Jesus brought him back to life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's not just words. This is truth. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die. He allowed him to die. But then he raised him from the dead. If he had healed him, it would have been amazing. But we wouldn't have spoken about it today like he'd brought him back to life. The glory of God shown in an amazing way. The point is that God wanted to bring an even greater glory to his name. And sometimes I think it's important for us to look again at what the meaning of good is. Of what the meaning of good is. So while it's true that God loves us and works, you know, we, we say this first off and he works together for good for those who love him. I love that verse. I think that when problems arise, that sometimes the problem is our definition of what good is, of what we think that good is, and how God should move in our lives. We think that good sometimes means no pain, that good means no suffering, and good means no hardship. Good means a problem-free life with the birds singing and the sun shining and beautiful sunsets and all those wonderful things and peace. And don't get me wrong, that's pretty good. That sounds pretty appealing to me to live life that way. And we have many days of joy and peace and beautiful days and happiness and good times. But there will be trials as well. And there will be difficulties. Jesus said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Here's the problem. Our definition of good is what benefits us in the here and now, in the temporary. We're interested in what will benefit us right now. We don't often think eternally and have an eternal perspective. We're interested in what will make us happy, but God is interested in what will make us holy, in what will make us holy for eternity. Jesus loves us, and he wants to be glorified through our lives. He wants to be demonstrated, shown through each one of us. He won't always remove that suffering. He won't always remove that pain, because many times it can make us stronger, and it can draw us closer to God. It makes us depend on him more. Suffering can give us a platform in which God can be glorified to those around us, that we can talk about the goodness of God and demonstrate the goodness of God to those around us. Mary and Martha, they went from complete confusion and despair and chaos to a place of joy after a miraculous encounter with Jesus. God did the miracle in his time, in his time, to reveal even greater glory. And this evening, as I was preparing, I feel that there are some of us here who feel like something or someone in our lives has died. And it might not be a person, it might be, um, might be something physical. It might be our health that once we were fit and healthy and we could do everything that we wanted to do, but we're struggling with some illness 
and it feels like it's holding us in that place, in that tomb, and we can't live our life to the full. It may be that a relationship has died and you so long, desperately long for restoration of that relationship. It may be the, literally the lo- loss of a loved one, that you've lost someone so much that you've loved. It may be that you're working in a job day by day that doesn't make you feel like you're living. It's just deathly. Every day you're going into work and it's like a drudgery and you don't feel like you're living. Or maybe a marriage. Your marriage exists, but it simply exists. It's no longer alive. It's no longer got that spark and that excitement and you need that revived. And tonight, what I really feel God is saying is that he wants to breathe his resurrection spirit into our lives again. He wants to just fan into flame for us to literally hear him say, say, Joel, Joel, come out of that tomb. Come out of that tomb and come alive. You know, it would have been ridiculous if Lazarus had stayed lying there in his grave clothes and saying, I'm quite content here. I'm going to stay here. Okay, just roll the stone back over me. Okay, this is where I'm going to be. It would be ridiculous. But that's what we do sometimes. We remain in that place of, of death. And God says, I want you to come out and know my life and my spirit and my joy. And my joy, even in the suffering, you can know the joy. And so tonight, what I'd like us to do is a bit different, but it's not that different because we're here to pray and we talk to God. Praying is simply talking to God, okay? And we, and we did that this morning. We had some people who'd never prayed before, and I know people are taking giant leaps at the moment in learning to pray. And I would just say, if you don't know how to pray, that's fine, okay? It's okay. Just imagine that you're talking to Joel there, okay? Joel is Jesus. Imagine that and just chat. Just have a chat. Just have a chat with him, okay? And, and just that's, that's what prayer is. We just talk to God. Just talk to God to tell him what's on your heart.